You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and late night to whoever you are out there listening at whatever time you're listening. Uh, my name's Matt. This is the Break It Down Podcast. Today, my guest is Chad Gardner. Chad is one of the people that I've worked with for a long time. He's in a band called King's Kaleidoscope, which is kind of like this poster child of success to me in the sense that, well, for one thing, I've helped uh, make his band break. But the point is, bands don't seem like they break anymore. You, It's hard for some new artist to get out there and become popular and then have their own inertia and momentum and gravity to what they do. And King's Kaleidoscope has been extremely successful at that. Just They came out of the church worship world at the church I went to, and I kind of helped Chad and continued to help Chad as something of a just coach, is just somebody I've always had conversations with, and he's asked questions, and you guys know I like answering questions, when especially when it's something I know, and a lot of times if it's something I don't know, I still kind of enjoy answering questions anyway. But I've been able to help Chad a little bit and really just get to participate in the incredible art that he makes. So he, he just has a new mixtape that's out, King's Kaleidoscope does. And while you're listening to this episode, I'd urge you to go over to kingskaleidoscope.com, check out the website, and you'll start to get a feel for what we're talking about and what the total aesthetic of this band is, if you're unfamiliar. Their new merch line and art and all the stuff they've done around this new release that just came out last week is just incredible. There's a 44-page uh, lyric zine is what they call it. I just call it a, a real nice booklet that has a bunch of art, original art, lyrics and stuff, and all the art for all the videos they've done that you'll be seeing over the next little bit of time. And everything, the art for the packaging and everything is done by a guy named Tobias from Sweden that Chad found and then flew him over here to to do all this stuff and make costumes. And it's just this it's just this really impressive, comprehensive project that's working really well. The album just came out and the feedback and reviews on it is incredible. Anyway, I don't want to bore you. I'm not trying to even do a commercial here. I'm just trying to clue you in. This is a project that I work on. I work with Chad. Um, again, like I said, I just coach. So as his coach in some ways, kind of like a manager without the responsibilities, kind of what I am to, to King's Glidescope. But anyway, I think Chad is a good example of somebody who knows what he wants, goes after it, and then really is able to back it up and follow through, which is kind of the rare quality. Everybody has ideas, but only some people are willing to do what it takes or follow through or risk uh, or do the work or whatever it is. Chad's a good example of that, and I hope you'll enjoy this conversation I had with him. And so, yeah, so make sure you go to kingskaleidoscope.com while you're listening to this episode. And the best thing to do would be go ahead and pre-order a vinyl. They make beautiful vinyl, and it sounds great on there. That's the medium that it was intended to be consumed on. On top of that, Emory has a book, uh, if you didn't hear about that, emorybook.com. It's up for pre-order now. And Emory has shows in Texas coming up in September. So go to emorymusic.com and uh, come see us. They're only $10. Okay, here we go. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 All right, Chad, thank you for coming by. 
Glad to be here. I love doing stuff in person. And, uh, you know, I know you just use me for my platforms. Is that it? Or do you really like talking about stuff? Basically about it. Just your platform. Do you, are you enjoying doing a lot of press <laughs> interviews or do you think that is a necessary evil or what, how's that feel to you? Uh, I like doing it. I think the only aspect of it that I don't like, which is funny because this podcast is basically the opposite of that, is I don't like that so much of the detail in a lot of art is given away now. There's no hmm. mystery. Like, every band does a meet and greet, and every band talks about everything that went into all their songs now, mm -hmm. in a general sense. And I miss, like, you know, paying a lot of money going to a show. You see the guy on stage, and you never see him again in your life. He doesn't do <laughs> interviews. Frank Ocean is way cooler than any other artist in that respect uh -huh. to me, because he's the most different. You know what I mean? You don't hear from him for four years. He cancels half of his shows, and then when he finally gets on stage, it's the internet freaks out. And you like that better than able than pretty confident you can get a Twitter response from him later today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, exactly. Like, mm. the artist that is always tweeting at everybody and always responding to everything and or explaining over -describing every detail. Their art. Yeah, over-describing every detail of what everything that meant. I don't really know what half the things I mean mean until halfway through the year, actually, on some songs. Which is kind of crazy. What do you mean? Like, you mean like if I asked you a specific question about a specific song, you don't have, yeah, wouldn't like, be, you'd be making up an answer or something. Well, like in 10 minutes when you start asking me about specific songs, I might say, uh, I don't really know yet. It just felt it was the right feeling. And mm -hmm. then I kind of discover what it means later. Hmm. Interesting. Well, <laughs> <laughs> not all the time, but yeah. just sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. like sometimes for me, everything revolves around feel. Like I, I'm a feel based creative person versus a thinking-based creative person. That's that's for, for sure. Right. That's, that's so sometimes I don't know why it's right, uh -huh. but I just know that it's going to fit into the, the rest of the world that uh -huh. I'm constantly trying to curate. Well, let me try and tell people a little, about, little bit about what you're like from my point of view because I find it interesting. Because I find you interesting, I guess, but it's that I find most people to be disinteresting is another way to put it. I find that most people <laughs> don't have really even any vision or intuition, uh, whether it be thinking or just, like you said, feeling-based thing. Most people don't have anything that they're sure that they want clearly that they can articulate and say, I'm going to do this. And it, even if they do, they often do the thing where they say, I wish I could do this, or I'd like, I, I want to do this, but I can't afford it, or I can't do this. And I think that's almost always not true. It's just they're unwilling to name what it would cost them, if that right. makes sense. So somebody yep. will say, I, I would like to uh, release an album or learn jujitsu. I've said that. I said I want to learn jujitsu. Yeah, I clearly you? no. So, <laughs> so I clearly don't listen to the words that I say there. So it, and if I say, oh I can't, I don't have time. I'd say or I can't afford yeah. it. I would say um, that's not really true. It just would cost me something else. Time, time. Mm -hmm. It might cost me time with my daughters, and that's why I don't want to. But most people sure. will. Uh, even worse than that is the problem of people. I don't. If you ask them what would they do. If they had unlimited time or resources, they would just no idea go on a longer vacation or something like right. that. So that is disinteresting to me. So people like you are just the opposite of that. And you're just, you know, so many things that you want and exactly how you want them is crazy. And it's, to me, it's very, very inspiring, but it also, I, I would say is difficult. And I say that, that the difficult people that I work with are are for, I say the most difficult people I know are you and my wife, Bridget, and Toby. They're just really difficult. It's just, I think that's yeah. by virtue of the fact that you know something you want and you can say it. And there's this really big sense of right and wrong. And I don't mean moral. 
uh, it's like just, no, that's wrong. We're trying to do this, and that feels wrong. That's wrong. Don't do yeah. that. Knock it off. Don't yep. put that there. This needs to be bigger. What do you mean by bigger? I don't know. Fix it or whatever. It's right, just, right. So, you know, and I'm, I'm inspired in those situations because I don't maybe always know what it, what it is that I want to do. You know, maybe I don't have that. So I, I tend to want to latch on and help and do stuff with mm. people that have that kind of thing. And I experience you that just on a level that's it's hilarious <laughs> to me. I wonder if you're aware of it or how you experience it. I mean, I'm aware of it more so this year than I have been before and it, the thing that blows my mind is that you want to inspire or you know it gives you motivates you it gives you mm-hmm. energy that I'm so freaking opinionated. That's not an invitation to bark at me. No I'm not but, trying but, to bark but it, but it is a thing of like the hardest part for me is getting you or you know Alex my wife she does all the admin and then Jeff we've got a pr- uh, production guy is getting you know the team that we have now around the vision when the vision sometimes feels like a moving feeling mm-hmm. target for me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, this is right. This isn't right. But then again, there is just a little bit of it that I'm just like so damn picky about, you know, where the backs are on the pins that we just ordered right. or the, like every detail of everything mm-hmm. to me is like, you know, like I threw a fit when we couldn't get, find anybody to manufacture these hats with the King's kaleidoscope. Huge. I wanted it to be as big as possible, you know, like and who are you mad detail. at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Through a fit to who? I mean, like, exactly. Well, just, yeah. I mean, to myself on that one. But, yeah, I do have, like, just strong opinions, I guess. But it's all feeling-based, usually more than idea-based. Mm-hmm. Which is frustrating for people because you can't even you tell can't them communicate what, it. Right, what, yeah. you, what is it you want. Or you can communicate what's wrong but not what you want often is a way that, that it comes out. I feel like I usually know what I want, though. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time, money... Re, like if you can actually pull it off, mm-hmm. you know. So are you often dissatisfied with other people? Like do you run into conflict with, I mean, you know, how is that mitigated typically? Yeah, I would say that happens often, but I think I'm also, um, I th- I mean, I've gotten a lot better at it, but it's some, and it's something I work really hard at, but I think I also see my role a lot as like more of a creative director executive director over these big projects yeah where my actual role is empowering all these other mm-hmm. people to do really cool stuff mm-hmm. so so the model it is a people person it, it role. is it is weird though because yeah. you know because it can be like i said difficult but it's a uh, let's take the last the video shoot the other day the big one in the hangar we did a couple right. of videos last week but the one we did in the hangar last week to me and i posted a picture of it. It was one of the most ambitious things I've ever seen any individual or totally independent person or entity pull off. It looked like it was basically in, from my days in doing music, some $80,000 music video shoot mm-hmm. run by a big production company and a label and right, all, all right, that. Right. Uh, I don't think you spent very much money on it. I no. mean, maybe a, a tenth of that or, or so. Yep. Um, full orchestra or, or not full orchestra, but orchestra, choir, band, hanger, all the art, Mm-hmm. How many cameras? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's probably over forty people that were there. Crew, the day. yeah. There's a, I mean, it was seven, Catering, seven cameras, seven forty cameras, audio crew. channels recorded to be mixed and released. Like, I mean, it was giant like 50 production. Channels. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, and then yeah, like you said, airplane hangar, and then the the artists that we collaborated with for all this. My friend Tobias, we flew him in from Zurich, and mm-hmm. he did a whole art installation. 450 cardboard boxes that all these volunteers showed showed up early to put together, and then he painted them. 
And that's just architected and, and handled by, by you. And then your production got Jeff who did. I just couldn't believe that the schedule Jeff, was yeah, Jeff, held and everything happened and there wasn't audio problems and video problems and lighting problems. Yeah. I mean, there was probably some, but not wasn't much. It was pretty smooth. Yeah, I mean, we ran into a big issue at the very end, but other than that, the rest of the day was like, I mean, it was like a dream, you know, and that's mm-hmm. just Jeff and I working hard ahead of time to plan stuff out, make sure we have enough, you know, we had to get 70 XLR cables and we rent them, and it's all very DIY, like we are yep. the production company, and my hands are in all the details, and I don't always like it to be that way. Well, you kind of like it. Scale, <laughs> you don't want somebody to else to do it. Yeah, well... I just think it's the scale, you know yeah. what I'm saying? If if I had 80 grand, I wouldn't have to worry about mm-hmm. if we had if we, what kind of lights we're renting, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but at this scale we have to because it's so indie. Right okay, now. but here's where there's the disconnect. There's everybody else is asking me, asking me as if mm-hmm. I know what do I need to do to get my band signed, which is a horrible question to ask in 2017. Yeah. yeah. Um first of all, you don't need to be signed, which you're mm-hmm. a case in point of um and secondly, you, even if you were signed, what's that going to, I mean, what, you know, you need to be thinking on the scale that you're thinking. You, you're trying to, it's not like, you're not just doing all this legwork because mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. need a video to help your album get more streams so that you get on tour, get signed. That's the tiny mm-hmm. little small loop that bands think. I want to be in a band. What do people in bands do? They play shows, they get signed, mm-hmm. whatever. You are thinking of these things, obviously, mm-hmm in these grand projects that you want to pull off mm-hmm. in and of itself, mm-hmm. right? Like you're thinking of the project, like you yeah. need a ha- you need hats, you need boxes, you want this artist to be there so you can make this video and perform this music with a choir. Yes. That's what you're trying to do, not do that in order to market your Spotify songs. You're trying, the, pro- right. the project is, the it is the it's process the and goal. the project is the goal for you. Yeah, I mean... I have to wear a lot of hats. You know, I have to wear a marketing hat. I have to wear an artist hat. I have to wear a manufacturing hat. I have to wear all these different hats. But by far the biggest hat that is closest to me that I get to work within is just the artist. Mm -hmm. So for me... uh, I mean, do you care about the visual art as much as the music on the tracks of the audio? Like, that's not normal, if so, but it's at least close for you. Yeah, I mean, I just think the whole... I actually don't see one... Like, like the whole mixtape and the audio of the mixtape is just as important to me as the, like, merch world that we created with this other fashion designer and the artist Tobias. And that's just as important as the live videos, which only half the live videos are from the mixtape. The other half are from Beyond Control. Like, Mm -hmm. it's all... They're all just as important to me for sure, because it's creating the whole world. I don't mm-hmm. see I don't see anyone. I don't see it as like I'm the musician and the singer. That's my job. I see it's like you know I'm trying to create Disneyland or something. Yeah, right. Like right every no, aspect sure. of it I care about, and probably how you know if if you're at the top of anything like that. That's and a you good analogy. Walk, the Disneyland thing. It's an experience that you're creating. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. If you walk through that experience you're trying to create, you're gonna notice all the little things and you wanna make sure that they're perfect. Mm-hmm. But um I think what works in my favor is that with King's Kaleidoscope, everything's so diverse. The band members are diverse, the people we collaborate with are diverse. I mean, just for this project, you know, uh Tobias, the artist, was telling me, like, how amazing it was to see, like, this old, not, I shouldn't say old, they're not very old, but, you know, a a Seattle choir that's been around for a while, that's all these white people, and then we have Propaganda, who's from Mm -hmm. Long Beach, 
just, you know, dread it up and he's a rapper and like they're on the same project and the artist from switzerland and the artist from switzerland. Sweden. yeah this is what no, he's from sweden no, he's from, Sw- he's from yeah thing. zurich so, but he's it's the one zurich, that was yeah, like yeah. it was so weird seeing this choir of you know these other people and then but that what helps me in uh is that my overall vision is throwing everything in the pot mm-hmm. so in a sense if i was trying to make some minimalist you know, art, like electronic thing where everything had to be perfectly clean cut, I would be in real big trouble. But because the whole vision that I have is I want everything from everybody all the time, it actually gives me, mm-hmm. it's more like I'm just trying to get more out of people than whittle everything down yeah. and perfect it all the time. The, the Disneyland analogy is a good one because it's an experience and also creative director. Like, And you run your band the way that I like, which is... I mean, there's more business to it, but there's less music industry to it. So it's just you running it with a team, and you would rather hire people or pay people for their services and, you know, have your hands on it and run it more like a creative director or a CEO or something like that, uh, although it's, you know, more of a creative vibe to it. But instead of just trusting, I mean, I don't know, it's like fundamental mistrust of authority baked in yeah. there too or something. I'm not sure, but I like it. You know, it's just, most people would never have, like, it's like, oh, crap, we, I want to make a video for an Emory song. Well, mm-hmm. how are you going to do that? Well, I don't know. What what should it look like? I don't know. You tell somebody yeah, else, please tell me. One. I don't know. We just need yeah, one. Just and, need yeah, one. And you have the whole thing kind of, yeah. you know, is is your ambition. And so that's, and then if you can do that over time. You know that's that's good. So it's a pretty good model to me of what the future is like. You're seeing other people doing this type of thing though. Like, where are your influences to do to to run uh, your own thing this way? And who do you look to for? I don't know modeling I, in that. If I have like, I would just say you're coaching over the years of like telling me I can do it. The <laughs> most important thing, the aspect in the whole thing is like, no, just do it yourself. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. And I think that coaching goes down into me kind of coaching all the other people involved. I get I get the most inspired by people who can do something that I don't understand or that I can't. Like what? Well, uh, like we keep talk, talking about Tobias, but Tobias from Zurich, you know, we met on Instagram. I mean, I, he just liked something on Instagram from Kings this year, and he had a weird little avatar of some drawing, so I mm-hmm. hit it, and it, I just loved his art. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I want to work with this I guy. I want to absorb this creativity into the umbrella I of my creativity. I want to bring some of this into this world mm-hmm. that I'm, you know, curating. And so... Curating is a good word, yeah. Yeah, so he... I mean, we just hit it off, and he agreed to do an album cover and everything. That moved into, you know, this packaging. Now we have a 44-page locally printed lyric and art zine that we made downtown. Mm-hmm. And now that we made tapes and vinyl and... Then he got his other friend, Hannah, who's in Berlin, and she's a fashion designer, to make all this, to do all the merch for us. And, well, all three of us kind of working on it together with Tobias's designs. And then also she made, maybe she cut and sewed outfits for us for tour and for all these videos and stuff. So it's like, to me, that was like, this is incredible. I'm going to do everything I can to get this fit into the king's world, even though it's not something we would ever do before. I'm just going to mm-hmm. work it in. Or working on Andy Mineo's uh, record this last year, uh, you know, I met all these other rappers and other producers who were doing hip-hop, which is very different from what Kings would do. But it's so inspiring to me that I'm just trying to figure out how I can bring it into the Kings world. So you brought in rappers for this project? 
Yes. I mean, so this, this one's hyper collaborative. So it's weird because the you're so specific. The whole project is about collaborative. Yeah, yeah. but it's, that's what's so interesting is you're so specific about what you'd want or a wrong note or something that didn't feel right or whatever. But on the other hand, you're inviting a lot of chaos and collaboration, you, you know, that is crazy. I mean, that's, we, it's Well, remember neat, when you used to say uh, that we should call it, we should call our like tagline designed chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, is. I have to have the crazy. Cultivated, curated it, It's chaos, cultivated, yeah. yeah. So I want the. I want the orchestra trying to keep time with the rappers, with the band, with the artists from Zurich. The whole, I mean, the whole project is massive in scope now, but it all starts with me just getting inspired from a type of art that's outside of what I would normally mm-hmm. do. And then, oh, how can we collaborate together? How can we make something with a whole bunch of other people? Now we have this mixtape. Now we have crazy live videos coming out. We have another music video. Did a lot last shot. week. So last week, if I'm correct, you did a that massive video shoot in the <laughs> hangar, which how many songs? We did seven. So, yeah, so Monday night, the band had our la- uh, rehearsal for it. Tuesday night, the orchestra had a- and choir had a rehearsal. Wednesday, from basically, you know, 9 to midnight, we were there. We built the whole set in one day because mm-hmm. we couldn't afford to rent the hangar for mm-hmm. more than two days or pay everybody. So we built the whole thing. Shot seven songs with the whole crew. Seven songs of video and audio to be released. So it's like almost like making an it's EP, like making EP in, in 10 day. hours with mm-hmm. video yep. and live rappers and everything. Thursday Crazy. night, we did a few overdubs for the orchestra just to get anything that was too noisy in the hangar because they're mm-hmm. so quiet compared to drums, you know. And then Friday night, we did a listening party and art show down right next to the Space Needle Seattle Center. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. We just had it super limited, 50 tickets. Um, just it was awesome. We played the, we played the record for the first time, the mixtape. We played it on, uh, we played it on like the vinyl. We had a acetate, which is like an aluminum copy of the vinyl. They get you to make sure that everything sounds right. We played that for everybody. It was really cool. And uh, then Saturday did another video. Oh yeah, and then Saturday we did did another music yeah. video. Yeah, and then Sunday we cleaned up. <laughs> yeah and, and we just have finished this mixtape and the recording and the mastering of i just got the final master just now the um the one oh, that, i have and it's out uh and it's out today i mean t- yep. t- so congratulations today is the day Thank that you. this project that i've been super excited i hadn't talked a ton Finally. about it because i just feel like <laughs> i don't want to talk about it a ton to anybody until they can hear it it's just frustrating you know yeah but today's the day so yep. now everybody can go yep. listen to it and we'll play some of it right now but um great Let's talk about the area that I know less about and am interested in, in like mm-hmm. lyrics. Let's talk about the content. That's a, a area that you've changed or grown and do different than other people also. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to get get into that a little bit. But let's play. We can talk over this if you want to or not. But we're going to play the little section of this mix. There's 10 tracks on it, and I'm going to play 7, 8, and 9 kind of in a row if they flow together well. Yep. Um Enough. We can talk over it a little bit. Yeah. Or not. I don't care. Would you say this whole mixtape is in the genre of hip hop? Yes, because it's it it uh. It champions a lot of sampling and it champions a lot of collaboration, which is very different from a band record. Mm. 
that's not that's not something that bands you know bands aren't going who, who how many people can only get to play guitar on this record mm -hmm. like you have a guitarist and he gets pissed off if you find other people to yeah. play for mm -hmm. instead there's a lot of sample. In fact, in fact, this is a sample. What is the talking sample we're hearing right now? Right, I'm gonna get the name right here. This is Reverend Doctor Sandy F. Ray. The other thing that stands out to me. I'll just let it play here. Two Kennedys and a king. Y'all yeah. 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 want that music. like I tweeted about it. Don't be so mean about it. I'm down to read about it. You flip that hashtag. You flip that Abby, right? Your fist is in the air. Can't say I'm racist, right? A sword and die for reporter. You kind of with them. Cause most don't notice the system till it turn against them. Hey. That's propaganda rapping. And this is you rapping, right? When you say that, kind of, yeah. It it's, not, it's not real rap. It takes me a long time to write it. What is the hip-hop that you enjoy listening to? I'm not going to call it direct influencer. What did you copy or rip off here? But I'm saying, what is? Uh, yeah. what are you listening to that you enjoy in that genre? Um, I mean, for the last freaking year, I've been playing with all these ideas. And when I'm in that zone, I don't listen to a lot of music. Uh, it's kind of weird. I just listen to what I'm working on. But I grew up listening to a lot of Common, Talib Kweli, Kanye, Lupe Fiasco, you know, and a lot of them aren't doing very much anymore except for Kanye, but Pharrell is a big influence on me, N.E.R.D. Uh, I just saw Kendrick Lamar's show. You've been, week. I mean, you've been, you, you are familiar with his new album at least, right? You listen oh, yeah. enough to. I've listened to his new album maybe two times, three times all the way through. That's all. Enough to go see. Yeah. I've listened to it more than you have. Yeah, well, I don't I've been busy making it. <laughs> I can't, I mean, like the amount of music that always comes out that I really want to get into, I have to have like clear space where I'm not working on my own music to listen to it. 
don't, I don't know why. I feel like I don't appreciate it as much. Mm-hmm. Like even Kendrick's record, I feel like when I have distance from this, like when we're on the road the next couple months and I'm just sitting in a van, I'll get way more out of it. Then than you listen to it. Trying to listen to it in my truck on the way to this or some other thing across town while I'm checking mixes all day long and trying to think of lyrics. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, listening to music in the moment of making a record doesn't really influence me. Mm-hmm. I need to have it be a, I need to have it, you know, impact me when I don't have mm-hmm. a goal in mind almost. Yeah. Kind of interesting. You have to absorb it separately from, right. you know, when you're creating it. Right, exactly. The separation there. Exactly. Um, and then this track falls into this next one here. This it's is a, just a little interlude thing. What is it? Uh, it's a much needed pause <laughs> from a lot of heavy heaviness on the previous two tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's a lot. We're just live trumpet. It's like a moment I mean, of reflection. Yeah, uh, yeah. This was a guy that was playing on. He was playing on a whole different track, and then I just took it and chopped some pieces together and spaced it out so that it felt like it was a kind of a palate cleanser before the the last song on the record right here. That's pretty neat. I hadn't hadn't heard that. Yeah, but that's nice. That's the yep. new thing that was added since I, the last version I heard. Yep. All right, guys, excuse me and pardon the interruption here, but I do have to tell you about a sponsor of the show. But the good news is it's a great sponsor and you're going to like it. So I'm going to tell you about Away, Away's first class luggage at a coach price. Now, I got a suitcase from Away recently and I haven't got to get on a plane trip yet with it. I'm excited to do so. I've checked this thing out. And as you may imagine, I have a ton of thoughts about travel, luggage, suitcases, all that kind of stuff. Problem is my daughter's already claimed the suitcase says that's hers so i'm going to talk her out of it and i'm going to take it on tour soon and i'll tell you what i like about it it is high quality material to start off with i feel confident that it's going to really hold up it's in fact it's made from a german polycarbonate and it's unrivaled in strength and impact resistance this is their words but i can tell just by checking it out that it's going to be very very tough it's got four 360 degree spinner wheels that guarantee that it's a smooth ride you know what i mean you don't have to just pull it one direction you can push it any way that you want it has a tsa approved combination lock uh, built into the top so nobody other than tsa can get in and it's a bummer that they can at all but still this is good. Here's what I love about this thing. It has a washable laundry bag that keeps clothes, dirty clothes separate from the clean in your suitcase. Now that's huge for me. Uh, the last thing I'll tell you about it feature-wise is it can charge your phone. It's got a battery in it and it can charge your cell phone or anything that's uh, USB charged. And they even say it can charge your phone five times. Anything that takes a USB charger, you charge the suitcase up and then you're sitting in the airport. You don't have to you know, gather around all those little kiosks where people do or sit on the floor. You just charge from your phone while you're sitting at the Chili's eating, drinking a beer. So 100-day trial. So you can live with it, vibe with it, travel, Instagram, and do whatever you want to do. And if at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. They got free shipping on any away order within the lower 48 states. It's carry-on size. Uh, the one I have is carry-on size that complies with all the major airlines. So, you you know, it's like again, it's lightweight, so you can put a whole bunch of stuff in there. Best way to maximize your stuff. I just like carry-on only, personally. And uh, they've got nine colors and four sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large for extended stay. So go check out their website. Figure out which one is the right one for you. Uh, for $20 off a suitcase, you can visit awaytravel.com forward slash down and use the promo code down during checkout. 
Uh, I'm going to tell you that one more time. $20 off. Suitcase. Awaytravel.com forward slash down. Go check it out right now. Promo code down at checkout. Get $20 off. And uh, that's a special offer for our listeners. Again, I'd recommend Away Travel. If you're going to get a suitcase or you want to get it as a gift, I recommend it. Okay, so if you didn't catch it, sorry if we talked over some of that. But the lyrics interest me there. It's propaganda doing the first rap part. And then it's, to me, I hear those songs as one because I hear that preacher yelling about stuff. Right. And then it seems racially charged to me. And then I hear a rapper. Um... And it's propaganda, and he says, "You know what I mean?" Like you I start hear a to, rapper. right? And rappers are black, <laughs> and they talk about race, and he says racism right in there. So now I'm scared to talk about what is this? What's going? On? You know, that's the way people. I think right. I'm just kind of playing a joke there, no, but for sure. I think that's what how people will receive this, and I'm very curious. I mean, you had some controversy in the last album with the song "Prayer" because you said the f word in it, and I don't. You know, th- this is the part of this that I think I wonder what people is this going to make people's heads spin? Are they going to wonder what your message is? Are they going to? And I want. I'm curious how it got there, what you're trying to do. I'm not trying to make you explain all the lyrics, but, I mean, what did you do here? You got rappers, and now you're talking about racism in songs. That sounds scary. Yeah. I think your fans will find it scary, too. But what is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to think of the best way to tell this. There's a story kind of... Wait, hang on. Hang on. I got a first, I got a first question for that. Okay. <laughs> this is this is for the benefit of many people out there. <laughs> okay. Chad, are you black? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Uh, Some people think you are, I do know, they not? People think I'm okay. mixed. It prop was at the video shoot on Wednesday, and he asked me... It was like the second, <laughs> this is like the second time we talked about it. He's like, "You're so are you mixed? And I said, no, dude, we've already talked about this. I took a DNA test finally, and I'm only point, <laughs> 0.2% West African. And he said, this is what he said. He said, the test is racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, people people have always asked me that. Um, it's, it is it is funny, like, at shows, you know, maybe a third, third half the time, the black people at the shows, there's at least, like, one or two will stick around and they'll ask me afterwards. If you're black? Is that, <laughs> yeah. that's a question? If that... I'm like mixed or something. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. It's something because probably most of our, our demographic is white and we come out of, you know, worship leading in a white church. And so I think they, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm all guessing here, but it must be some kind of thing where you're kind of like, wait, did that guy... I mean, what, did he come out of that context being like mixed or like how did how did that happen? I think they're just kind of curious. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't I can't, I mean I have I have full white privilege basically. Yeah, it, which is you know, um, yeah. I mean, you po- think of yourself as a, as a white person who who has always liked black culture, though you would probably say. I mean, all the way rap- more than yeah. my Scandinavian mm-hmm. background. Yeah, and I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's well, I weird do know how why. maybe it's just, just like better. obviously part of the notion of race being more of a construct than people would think, because you come across as a mixed person is the best way to put it. Probably to me, I would have assumed that until I got to know you and who your family was and all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there's some parts of your look that maybe seem black to me, but that's probably in context to your style, the stuff you like, the way your voice sounds, the sneakers you're into. Well, I mean, you, you belong almost in 
Brooklyn in the eighties almost is what you know is what it it's feels just, like. And just, so then maybe it was confirmation bias in the way that you look or I something. Mean, but Seattle is like just super, super, super white. So growing up in the area around Seattle, I don't know what what that why that has to do with anything. But I put it this way, you know, my my background is my dad's side of the family is kind of just a mutt. Like all English, mutt, mm-hmm. white, I mean, everything, German, uh, just from everywhere. My mom's side of the family is very Scandinavian. And so if there's anything my family kind of championed, it was Scandinavian culture and heritage, which has some really cool stuff to it. But it is kind of weird being white in America, just a blend, because you really don't feel like I feel like I kind of never had a culture. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. I don't know if you felt that. Like, I don't, it's not like I'm third, third generation Irish and I'm like super proud of my hair. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, there is a, there is people in my family that are really excited about, you know, Scandinavian heritage. My wife is, she's, she comes from that and she's, she loves it. But for me, it almost felt like I just had nothing. Mm-hmm. And the most interesting culture for me in America is African-American culture. Always. I mean, you were a DJ. I mean, before just, you were a musician. I just think they have the best and, music. I think they have all the music and then white people copy them. Mm-hmm. I think they have a, you know, horrible and also there's so much beauty that's come out of it. Just story mm-hmm. with America and the way America, you know, is founded with on their backs. I mean, there's all of that awfulness and tragedy. There's like beauty that has come out of their artistic culture with that Mm -hmm. and so i just think growing up in america it makes sense that if you don't feel really tied to a a heritage that one just attracts you as i'm going to listen to this music i'm going to watch these videos every every athlete that we love the most is african so you're saying if you threw your personal actual immediate family heritage out and just simply gravitated toward what culture is the best most exciting it would be black culture in the united states like obviously Obviously. they're the best athletes they're great musicians and players and jazz and writers i mean dancing there's just there's it's just the most beautiful art so as a as an artist growing up that just was. You think they're objectively the best culture yes, artistically? I, yeah. <laughs> I hate Nashville. No, yeah. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> um, so you know, but getting into doing the lyrics objective. here, like, how do you then, even as a white guy, like, how do you get these rappers on here and say, "I want to talk about racism, and I want to do this here," and how does that? Well, the the race piece of that song, "Playing with Fire." wasn't intentional or premeditated so the song prior to that sticks and stones is a pretty interesting song because it talks about it's about religion organized religion obviously my experience with that is mars hill but there's tons of experiences with just kind of abusive religion and really what that is is dogma it's Mm -hmm. ideologies it's something that's super far from center There's no nuance in it. It's this way or the highway. And those types of ideas, they just lead to chaos and death and destruction. So I was looking for just random samples that would have to do with that idea. Like, I just wanted something chaos. Like, this, the whole world that we all came out of a couple years ago with Mars Hill was just this world of, this is so freaking confusing. And really, it's, it's just bringing death in that sense upon so much 
of our lives. So I found that, which was awesome because this is obviously like a a civil rights era preacher Mm -hmm. and he's talking about this. He's using the analogy of a jungle. He actually wrote a book about it too, which I haven't got to see, but he's just talking about from every angle, all of the danger. And he's talking about, I'm, I'm pretty sure like ghettos Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, neighborhoods that are full of minorities and that's systematic and they, they are, you know, suffering from, um, racism and, but it's all of those things that were being imposed on them. It's like, there's, I, I, I wasn't looking for something about racism, but then at the end of that, he, he surprised me when he starts talking about all the assassinations, bam, 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 bam. And it's so poetic and beautiful. So that was just a thing. That song was done. And it was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll use this this sermon thing there or not. I'll cut off the thing at the end that really makes it about racism. And it, we, it can just be a whole thing about a dangerous zone, mm-hmm. which is what it feels like to be in an oppressive environment, regardless of what it is. It mm-hmm. happens all over the world. It's not just um, in America. And I think that, that, that uh, church organizations impose that, and that's sort of what I was more talking about. Then propaganda i had a song that i was sending to him and i wanted it to be about uh being apathetic for people's suffering so i had this chorus uh you know if what it takes is all of me i'm still not who i'm meant to be i'm holding back i just relax indulging in securities living a lie it's kind of this picture of like i'm comfortable i'll engage when i want to engage but i don't really have to mm-hmm. And obviously it's propaganda. He's really passionate about justice and social justice. And, um, so he took it, he took it a little bit towards the, into the race direction. And then that made me come back to write my verse and go, okay, well, one of the things that I'm definitely guilty and of, you know, being apathetic about is just being white Uh and, and, uh, not having to, to suffer and deal with a lot of racism. So then that's what my verse was. And then after that, after we had that song and the song before it, when we were trying to figure out what we were going to use for that sermon on that kind of interlude track, it just made sense to just keep the, keep the point where he talks specifically about all of the assassinations, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King and so on, and go right into props rap. It's almost like it just transitions the I themes it, yeah. from you know, a, a religious abuse to a, a uh, different type of systematic, different, abuse. Ty- different type of systematic yeah. abuse to then where proper. And I talk about that, you know, so it, it just, it's, and there's all kinds of other ways you could see it creatively, but that's kind of the way I'm seeing it right now. And I think it worked. And once again, it's one of the things that felt right mm-hmm. at first, like if the song with prop had gone a different direction, maybe we would have changed that. If the song before it had gone a different direction, we could have changed it. But it felt like it kind of just bridged the mm-hmm. worlds and sort of just shifted the perspective on it a little bit enough to go, oh, this is a perfect blend between the two. Now, let me draw at this point back to the point of a small local band trying to ask somebody in a bigger band how to get signed. You're worried about that. Meanwhile, they're worried about the correct <laughs> road cases. <laughs> The, and Road the cases. backdrop of the lighting for their merch display yep. or whatever it is that's, oh, right. you know. that So it, it, to, it, to me, that's just an example of like this. this And it's not, and 
I hear artists and musicians talk all the time, and I almost always hate it because they always just talk in vague. And I feel like they're putting on and trying to act like things are meaningful when they're not. For you, they're, I mean, this is just very organic. Like, this is just, that is how this came about. And it mm-hmm. is led by one of your intuitions to the next, to the next, to the next. Mm-hmm. And it's very pure in that sense. This isn't yep. how you put on in interviews or whatever. Right. Although I typically find musicians that way. Um, but I don't, pos- you know, like, to me, that's just great. Like, if I'm working on music, I'm really just thinking about notes and chords. I mean, much less all these other things and stuff like that. It's really nice to hear somebody tuned in and focused on the type of samples for the messages they're trying to do and the fact that you're inviting chaos and it's Mm -hmm. developing organically. I mean, it's just, it's high up stuff. And to me, it's apparent when I listen to a mastered album and no longer listen, don't hear anything about samples or snare drums or volumes or, you know, I would never question the track order. As soon as I heard this, you said, do you have any notes? I'm like, no, this is an album. Yeah, This is done. Like, <laughs> no part of me is going to give feedback on this. That changed the whole order. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, I mean, to me, when I'm hearing it, it's like, right, right. this is this thing is glued together. It's obviously everything about it's intentional, mm-hmm. not a bunch of random decisions of somebody just trying to get a record mm-hmm. out because he thinks he wants to be in a band. Mm-hmm. And I, I make a really big distinction about that. I'm highlighting mm-hmm. I'm not trying to just make you sound good, but but I find it inspirational as a point. Um, but you've changed and even grown a lot, even in the lyric department, because a few years ago you wrote zero lyrics, right? Yeah, for Beyond, Con- or, I'm sorry, Becoming Who We Are, which is really that first record right outside of being a worship director for five years, or I mean, it was seven years. I don't know what I was doing. It was a long, mm-hmm. it was long, long time I was doing that. Uh, that first record, I had really only ever developed and honed the skill of worship leading and mm-hmm. rearranging where you stuff. get all the lyrics from him sure, I'll get, yeah. yeah get the lyrics from him rearrange them that's the that's you know that's what I cut my teeth doing that's maybe that's I, interesting though because at least you got to focus on that and like think about all the I'm sorry to interject there but fine. it occurred to me just in the moment that you had the benefit of not even worrying about the pressure of being the front man for some artistic project out there you're just leading worship and putting mm-hmm. all your creative in, energy into arranging songs that you didn't write the lyrics for so you didn't have this soup you know that pressure of like it's right. me it's my voice all that stuff can be yep. intimidating especially when you don't have all your skills yep. developed but you got to work for years on freaking arrangements and vibes and feel until you had mastered that and then you know could collaborate with people on lyrics and now here you are doing having the really heavy input on the meaning of the song up front and that's really nice for me to see it's new yeah because i think i only wrote you know three or four songs on that first record by myself and then beyond control i basically linked up with Zach Boland from Citizens and Saints. We wrote all the songs mm-hmm. together, mo- most of them, I think. And then we did the same thing on this one, actually. So he's kind of like, at every step of the process, I'm basically collaborating with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's never just me. Um, except, I mean, the production side of it is is mostly me, but even that, you know, I had my buddy Daniel come over, who's a hip-hop producer, and help me just make sure the drums were right for the type of project it needed to be. But Zach and I have like a really great vibe now. He's he's really into like making sure that the idea is clear throughout a song. And I'm like very into all of the imagery. And both those things come together and we feel like we're like a songwriting team now. And I love it. And I don't, there's no part of me at all that, thinks well as soon as i can write songs by myself they'll be better still even in that part you like collaborating i just want to get it right Mm -hmm. so i mean i think on this you know when it's right every song with me 
do you know when something's right or is that is that uh, uh is that objective to you when this song is done or what this track order is or something is it there yeah, is a right and wrong it's... and you have to work to yeah, find I think, it i think you're finding what the yeah i think you're finding the right feeling when you know it's clear i think it's pretty clear when something's done mm-hmm. which is hard for i think some people to say but in, in one sense everything can always be more perfected but I don't think that's what makes something done. I think what makes something done is when it's telling the right story and giving the right vibe. Mm-hmm. So for everything that King's Kaleidoscope done has done, I always think, well, yeah, we had bigger budget. We had all this stuff. We could make it more perfect. But that's not the brand. <laughs> that's not what we are. King's Kaleidoscope is indie, DIY, and... All of those things find themselves into the music because it is low budget and we're doing it all ourselves. And that's, that is the magic sauce, I think, mm-hmm. on a lot of stuff. Well, it, it seems to be working pretty well. I like to see how your streaming works because you're super high streaming. And it's, I think it's neat in the model sense that you're creating stuff at, at some big high level and obviously vinyl and merch are just as important as anything. But the, mm-hmm. you are one of those artists that just kill on Spotify, which is the new thing that everybody wishes they were. There's been so much of people trying to say how bad Spotify and stuff is, but you and your fans now, that's just, that's just what y'all do. This is right. Well, I mean, yeah, our demographic is not really, and I don't, I don't at all think about, Oh, I have to make something for the demographic. I'm just saying, looking Mm -hmm. back when I go, Oh, who, who's interested in King's Kaleidoscope? It's 18 to, you know, 30. And that's it. (laughs) You know, like nobody, I mean, maybe 35, but we don't really have a large high school audience. We don't really have a large older audience. And everybody in that age range that's listening to us is pretty obvious. They all have Apple Music subscription or Spotify subscription. And, you know, who who's going to pay $10 yeah. to buy an iTunes album and then s- use space on your phone instead of, mm-hmm. you know, take up space you could take photos with mm-hmm. when you can just stream whatever you want and then unsync it from your phone. So... For me, the selling of records is not nearly as important as the building of the world, once again. So for me, the world is how the shows feel as best as we can do with the resources we have. The the feel is, or the world is, how does the merch do, you know, with, same thing with mm-hmm. resources we have. Let's make it as amazing as we can. And I think we do a pretty good job with that. Um Obviously, the, all of the merch and everything around this record, this project, is like the craziest we've done and maybe the wildest we've done because we had a actual fashion designer helping us, Hannah, and an artist, Tobias. And so it, it feels a lot different than just, oh, we'll put our name on a shirt and that's it. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're actually designing some well, it's almost stuff. freeing in that, like, because you're not tied to the format. Oh, you make a record, you put it on the label, they took, send it to stores, people buy it, you need 10 songs, and they have to be the other. Yep. Like, it, you're untethered. The cool thing is you're untethered from the format, so now your larger scale ambitions of creating an experience or a thing can just, you, you're free to create, like, to not border between record sales and tour. Who cares? The, use one to pay for the other, doesn't matter. Just You're just trying to figure yeah, out how yeah. to leverage stuff to do the thing you want to do. Right, like, we use the pre-order for the mixtape to pay for the live videos because we really wanted to do that, you know, mm-hmm. and then we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, it just keeps, it keeps going project by project. They pay for the next thing. 
And somewhere along the way, hopefully, we make a little bit of well, money. Well, that, that, sounds dan- <laughs> that sounds dangerous. It is. That's what your job is. Yeah. <laughs> you have to help me. <laughs> yeah, well... Well, it's dangerous because <laughs> you're going to have a flop sometime. Sometimes you're going to have some idea where you want to spend 40 grand on a thing and it just turns out that it, it, it didn't work and now you don't have money to go on tour or whatever else it is. That's true. So that's a you thing. Always, but, you can't always, you know, get on base, that's for sure. But I, but so, so far so good. But I have the distinct experience of walking you through, well, these will be the ramifications. This is a good idea, bad idea. This will cost that much and you won't be able to put that in your pocket. And sometimes you go, so what? It'll do this. You know, and the thing I love about it is I don't feel you going, yeah, but then later I'll actually get paid because of this. You just say, no, this is what I want to be. And I trust that things will work out. (laughs) Right, right, right. And and so I'm often (laughs) like renting that big airport hangar for me. I was like, I remember calling you "Mm, about that. I don't think. Hey, we can't, uh, because we couldn't find any warehouse for it at all. And I think the airplane hangar was like twenty five hundred dollars, which just for, for the for day us is I know. a really big deal. I mean, that's just of course it is. You could have put all of those in your back pocket if you just shot of, the video in my studio here. Right, that comes straight <laughs> out of like do, yeah. my wife and I's right. bank account, right? And uh, yeah, and you were like, well, as long as you can release the audio and make a whole whole other like project EP in a day, then you can do it. Yeah. Okay, great. We'll do that. Yeah, that's what I was like. Oh, okay, as long as you get the people down there to capture audio, you'll have right. something else to release, Like, which right. I'm really excited about because when you do live stuff, it's really good. And there's it's, seven live tracks from that will be will hopefully pay for well, it. That was my they're, idea. But. They're just incredible. There's a whole other orchestral arrangement of a prayer. There's this beautiful version of Trackless C with the choir. And then and the mixtape songs with the rappers are there. We flew them in for it. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's I mean, a big it's, project. It was It was absolutely insane it's probably it's the biggest thing i've ever been able to be a part of in my life yeah. just pulling it off well I we couldn't it believe it, be it. we were wa- everybody's walking around the whole day just going like this, this is like a dream right now how mm-hmm. do we even possibly do this how i was super nervous help out for free that and- the emergency was coming and the phone call like i was i wasn't there all day i was i knew i was yeah. gonna be home eating supper and get an emergency phone call i was terrified <laughs> yeah we only had it. one big hiccup at the end but everything else is gonna it's gonna work out i think yeah, I think it'll be great. Let's listen to another track and we'll, we'll be done here. This yeah. is my favorite actual track when I'm going to analyze. I'm not going to do a, much musical analysis other than pay attention to, or do you, I'm going to ask you a question on this one. Sometimes Phoenix, it also ties Ooh. into the everything else to me. It feels super New York jazzy to me. It feels There's like... There's that one part that's very jazzy. The, it's just the, the the way of changing keys and the chord progressions are is just just bizarro man mm-hmm. do, do you know what they are or think about it or you don't care i'm not i don't, I don't want to get into analyzing it but no. the, the key shifts that happen in the middle of the thing that's the best i don't know what it is in my head i mean i know how to play it on piano i sampled it on a flip phone in ap music theory when i was a junior in high school from some girl just playing some random thing you sampled what the, that the jazzy piano thing Wait, so this is a sample from that? Or That's you not just the actual it? sample, but I made a... Okay, so I sampled it with a flip phone in high school. I made a beat with it. And then the the huge bass riff comes, oh, yeah, yeah, comes yeah. from... What are those? I don't know what they're called. I think it's an Arhu. No, maybe that's not it. You know the guys down at Pike Place Market who play the instrument with one string? Yeah. So in high school, I made a beat with that, that jazz piano thing. And then a guy from Pike Place playing a one string thing. And then when I was digging through old ideas, I decided, oh, I'll use that piano riff and that one string thing part. And I replayed it. And then we had the bass do that Arhu thing. Hmm. And then we have a crazy song. I know it doesn't make any sense, but that's how I get inspiration for ideas. Is 
repurposing old stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my favorite one. Is that the same trumpet player? Yep. And I wrote the lyrics for this with our photographer. <laughs> who's also, I should say, he's more of a writer and poet than he is a photographer. He's in Korea right now writing his first book. That's the piano part? No, not yet. It's kind of an early loop of it, but it'll come out on the pre-chorus. Right here. That modulation's crazy. Yeah. Now, that baseline is from that baseline melody is from just a street performer. Yeah. Roughly. This isn't the thing you don't like about overlooking and explaining art? No, this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I love talking about it. I just just think uh, it's cool to have some mystery somewhere. You know what I mean? This just sets up the heavy thing so much. It's so surprising. Yeah, the first time that happened, I was shocked because I was I was yeah. consumed with thro- where the key was taking me, and not right. even I didn't even notice that the bottom dropped out, right, and then the right. texture had changed, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, 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 heavy, yeah. you know. So that's what I like about it. Yeah, I love the drums on this song a lot. It's so this is so hip hop. but ain't no rapping in it. You know what I mean? Right. That's the, and so, it's so I mean, hip-hop sounding of a song. It's just no no. Yeah, there's rap. five rappers on the whole mixtape, but uh, I think only half the songs like have rapping in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, but the feel of this... But then again, I mean, if you look back at the old, the last records we did, there's songs that feel like this on them. Yeah, with no I don't rappers. think it's a super big departure. To me, it makes sense. I don't, I, I don't know if some people go, I thought y'all were the rock band with the orchestra, or worship band, and now you're hip. I don't hear it that way. To me, it I makes mean, so, total light sense. Light After but, Darkness and Dreams and yeah. Ache and yeah. Gone and Enchanted. I mean, they all sound like this. Super dynamic. So there is your band playing on it some, but less. There's a lot of stuff that's not your all of your band, but they're on here There's too. just more... Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're all played on it. And then there's a lot of production that I did by myself. And then a lot of production that uh, my friend Daniel Steele helped with. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite transition. You haven't heard that yet, huh? Did you hear that? That little thing in it? The the last section of that vocal mm-hmm. goes right into the yeah. piano. The next one, yeah. I modulate the that last note goes right into the next key. And now we're into the next song, and I'm gonna fade that down yeah. there, and we'll get out of here. But so, 
You know, I am very curious to see how your uh, audience will react to it. Like, I really don't know. I, I, I know yep. I trust enough that they'll love it because I love it and you know what you're doing. So that I know. So that's why I'm always <laughs> tempted to say, you know what? That is expensive. Do it anyway. Just do it. Like, I, I'm learning to trust that. And that's, yeah. you know, to, but uh, I'm, I'm curious what people would say about this. Like, I wonder if some people go, well, that's not what the band's supposed to be. They're supposed to be something else. And mm -hmm. now they're trying to be hip hop. I mean, I'm curious what the criticism will be, but I think most people are just going to yeah, be right I mean, there with it. Yeah. I think, I think if the only thing that you really ever liked about King's Kaleidoscope was him rewrites from when I worked at a church, mm -hmm. then yeah, this is way off. But, you know, Beyond Control, the last record really feels like the first record. It's the first thing I ever actually wrote. Mm -hmm. So that's me finding my voice as an artist. And then this is a a little, you know, project off on the side that we're doing with a bunch of friends. And this still feels super King's K to me. Yeah, it does to you me know? too. Yeah. Good. Well, I hope everybody likes it. What do you want them to do? Go to Spotify? Uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Do you, pr what do you have a preference? I do. I don't know. You tell me. Spotify. You, you help me. Why? Because the Spotify is giving the artist way more analytics to work Great. with, right? I want the analytics. Everybody's streaming on Spotify. Actually, the best thing would be to buy anything from our website. Participate and get a in the whole experience and, and understand this a, art and, and merch. You and can buy a pin set that. and get the whole album for free, and it'll be yeah. hot. You know, I'll give away FLAC files or whatever it needs to be. Mm -hmm. That's the best. That helps us the most. And then come see us on tour with Propaganda this September. Propaganda and then John and Mark McMillan after that? In October. John Mark in October and Propaganda in September. And it's all King's K, kingskaleidoscope.com. Or do you have kingskmusic.com? Kingskaleidoscope.com. Yep. And, uh, e I D. Yep. And so, yeah, <laughs> participate in the whole thing and, and get some of the art is what I'd recommend. You'll feel even more connected oh, to yeah. it and you'll have the experience that Chad is trying to design get for you. Any of the, we have tapes. CDs and vinyl, and they all come with a 44-page booklet of art and lyrics that are all hand-done by the artist Tobias. I'm wearing his sweater right now. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. It took him over three hours per song just to do it by hand. It looks amazing. Great. It's crazy. All right. Well, Get thank you, Chad. Thank you, Matt. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.